Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Recknell, and it is my pleasure to have Jahan Blake here with us today. Hello, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I am doing awesome. I'm so excited to have you here. I think you have such an interesting life and career, and I can't wait for people to hear more about how you see hope in your life and in the lives of your clients as well. Let me introduce you a little bit more formally to our listeners so that they can uh, understand a little bit more about who you are and what you do. So Jahan Blake is a sports executive turned career coach who helps high achieving women in the sports and entertainment industry who feel stuck, frustrated and defeated to find their voice and tackle what is ever keeping them from getting exactly what they want out of their career. During Jahan's 18 years of working in sports, including working for three major league teams, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, and the Cubs, her favorite part of the job was helping others to see their full potential. So she made a business out of it. Whether her clients want to break into sports, take their performance to the next level, or own a place at the executive table, Jahan provides customized coaching programs to accelerate their career. Jahan is also the host of the Game of Her Own podcast, which highlights the inspiring journey of influential women working in the sports and entertainment industry. These candid interviews offer unique advice and strategies to help empower women in the industry. Welcome to the show. I can't wait to hear more about how you help to empower women and really how you got into this journey yourself. Please tell us your story. Yes. So, um, I start, okay, I'm going to make, I can make this story super long or super short and I have to be mindful sometimes because I'm a storyteller, but, um, I started my career, uh, with the Boston Red Sox. So gosh, almost 20 years ago, which is so crazy uh, to think about, but I was getting my master's and I, you know, I went straight from undergrad to get my master's. And I remember everyone's like, Oh, you're getting your master's. Like you're so good. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't know what I want to do yet. So instead of like, just taking, you know, a job as like a bartender or waitress, nothing wrong with that, right? Things I wanted to do to make extra money, but I was like, maybe I'll just keep going to school and, and I'll figure it out as I I go along. And I I worked as an assistant soccer coach as well for my um, Emerson college. And that's when um, about a year into school, I saw this man on TV talking about um, working at, you know, for the Red Sox at Family Park and doing all this work and but don't quit your J job because it's part-time. And I don't know why it, I was like drawn to it. And I was like, I want to work in sports. This is my plan. I was just going to figure it out. Somehow I was going to get into sports and that was it. And so I applied, 4,000 other people applied. And um, three months later, 25 of us got the job. And that's how I started my career in sports. And so I knew, I just loved that I love that fan services. That's the the department we're in. I just love that aspect of the sports side, just making sure fans had a memorable moment. And I grew to run the department that I um, was hired in and then um, learned a lot about myself, learned that I love solving problems instead of just maintaining programs. And so after we had done a lot of the work that we were set out to do, I went out to work for the Dodgers then came here to Chicago to work for the Cubs. And then I met my husband and thought, well, I'm ready to like settle down and like, just kind of like stop moving from city to city. And I love moving. Actually, it's been 11 years, so I kind of have the itch again, but I, I was like, I just want to stay and just be like for a little while, but I know that I can't stay at the Cubs forever. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to start my own business, right? That's what you do. Like, Ball, you know, obviously. yeah, no, no, like audience, no, like list. I just had this amazing network and I was like, 
I know that I can find a client. And so um, I started talking about it and, uh, you know, just anyone who would listen to me, I'd talk to, I even talked to my boss about it just because we were trying, they were trying this thing. I don't know if they still do it where you have like open conversations and like say what you want to do, even if it's not aligned to what you're currently doing. So I tried it out. Um, so one person said to me, he val- he d- didn't work for me, but he validated my fears and he said, well, you know, you should get consulting experience before you start your own consulting firm. Well, I, I was like, yes, you're right. Cause I was going to do consulting. I was like, yes, you're right. So I went to Deloitte, um, love Deloitte, great company, not for me, like worst year of my life. Like it just was not a fit for me at all. Uh, so I quit. I said, okay, you can leave as soon as you get your first consulting client. And I did landed at my first consulting client, worked on Super Bowl and Pro Bowl, left Deloitte within a year uh, and started that just my hit the ground running, just working on consulting. And then about it, two years into it, I was like, it's not that I'm bored, right? It was just that I just felt like something was missing. And I was still in these like boardrooms, like having these conversations and still like getting more access to executives than I did, you know, presidents than I did when I was back in my old job. And I was like, there's something missing. And then I decided, it's like, I miss helping people. I don't have a big team right now. I was like, I miss helping people grow within sports. And I said, oh, it's my business. I can start another one. So I started the coaching business, did some market research, interviewed a bunch of women. And then um, four of those six women that I interviewed said, can I have your rates? I was like, absolutely. And I was like, shoot, (laughs) I got to put together rates tonight. I wanted to do something else, put together packages and... I haven't looked back since. And that's how I started doing coaching for women. And that has become um, my main, my main focus. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I love all of the, I don't know. I mean, I hate using the word pivot. We hear that word a lot, right? But it's right. that, okay, I, I've done the thing. Now I'm kind of like, mm, not sure what I want to do next, but it's got to be something. And then you make a decision and then you go do that thing. And then you be successful in that for a bit. And then you go, huh, this is my own business. I'm just going to start another one. Like, it just feels so, it feels so hopeful. It feels so practical. It feels uh, terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I can only yes. imagine the things yes. that were going through your through your mind at those times. Yes, definitely. Um, definitely terrifying and exciting. And like, I honestly credit all of the weight that I've gained since I um, left corporate to starting my own business. Like that was my thing. You know, everyone has their thing. And like, I just, I ate a lot of food. Like I just be in the pulling out my hair and then I, you know, having a day and I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And then, you know, pizza um, and I'm lactose intolerant. So it's stupid for me to eat pizza, but like, that would be my, my saving grace. And then when I would land a big client, let's go get some pizza. <laughs> and like, it just, it was just this bad, bad cycle of, um, a lot of, a lot of food to say <laughs> at least. But kind of cool. So the self-awareness piece of that, right? Like as you're saying yes. pizza in my head, I'm, I'm replacing the word pizza with pretzels and diet Coke, because <laughs> that is, that is how I cope. You know, I remember long study sessions at night with pretzels and diet Coke. You know, if I start languishing in the middle of the afternoon, it's pretzels and diet Coke that I go to ridiculous, but it works. Um, because entrepreneurship is the most awesome and the most awful job out there mm-hmm. in my, uh, in my opinion, uh, of 12 years of doing this kind of work. Um, does that, does that resonate at all? (laughs) What do you say to people who want to start their own business? 
Absolutely. You know, it, I, I feel the same way and I, I'm very careful not to, and I know we're just having a conversation, but like, I try not to like project my own, you know what I mean? Like experience. Yeah. However, everybody that I come in contact with that's an entrepreneur is saying the same thing. So I'm like, okay, it's just not me. Like, so I feel the need to tell people like, here's some things you need to do <laughs> like while you're still working. Doesn't, you don't need to take clients, but here are some things you need to prepare yourself with. And that self-awareness, I thought I was self-aware before. Like, I, I mean, I, I recommend to people, like if, if you're into therapy, like get a, get a therapist. If you've had it before and it worked, do it. If you thinking about trying it, now, like now's a really good time to get a therapist. I mean, I remember I just had like one conversation with my therapist and I was like, I say something out loud to her and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so silly. Why am I thinking that? Like, I'll like, I literally will like, just like coach myself or like, you know, just help myself through things, but while talking to somebody else, but as soon as like you get it out, that helps. So I think the self-awareness piece is something I talk to people a lot about because it is, it's, it's really, it's it's really difficult to start your own business, be out there without that safety net. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, if you have a job, you can get fired, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Like, like the oh, like different. the likelihood of you getting fired. I say like the likelihood of you getting fired is tough, but I got fired from the Dodgers, um, which is a whole story. I was in good company. 15 of us got fired in the same day. But um, like it, the likelihood of you getting fired really is is slim, right? Mm-hmm. The likelihood of you losing a big client, not closing a deal. Like those things seem so much scarier. And much more likely. Right. And so it's hard. I think the hardest part when I tell people is you can't, you have to be ready for that fear that comes along with it, but you also have to figure out how to manage it because you can't operate under like the pressure of fear. Totally. Like that won't work. Like you won't do your best work if you're scared. Like I remember COVID started. I was like, for like a month, I was like, oh, this is why I'm not producing. I'm scared. Like, right. Like, so it's really, that's, I think that's a difficult thing to learn, a lesson to learn. What do you attribute to like your success as a small business owner over the last couple of years, you know, managing that fear? Is it your resiliency? Is it your grit? Is it your stuff? Really, you know, is there a characteristic of yours that you attribute, attribute your continued success? You know, no one's asked me that question and I don't know that I've thought about it. I think it's just one of those things that's, I, I don't want to call it stubbornness, but like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to fail. And yes, I have to like, you know, pay my mortgage and, and pay, you know, for my car, but that's not it. Like, I just, I think it's that just, well, this is what I always wanted to do. And this is it is so much fun. And like, I get to do this. So like, let's just, let's keep going. Right. Like I, it, I can always go get a job and like that, that, you know what I mean? Like I have a, I, have, I get calls from recruiters. Like I, like, I just like, but that's not it. So I honestly think it's just the, I get to be my own boss. Um, I get to, like, I was, I went to, um, lunch with friends yesterday and I hadn't seen them like almost all summer. And he was like, I was like, Oh, I'm going on vacation next week. And he was like, you have been on vacation all summer. And I was like, yes, I have, because I run my own business. And what you don't know is 
those were working vacations. This one is not, but like, yeah, why not go stay with my family for two weeks in Boston? Why not go, you know, see my in-laws in South Carolina? It's, it's fun. Like I can't do that if I have a, you know, a real job where I have to be at a, in an office every day. And also I like that language you get to, you know, it's, it's, it's that, Uh it's that mindset shift that you, you work your butt off. So you get to do that work-life integration in the ways that matter to you. Yes. Right. Yeah. In the ways that matter to you. Um, funny that you use the word stubborn because as I was asking you that question about the character qualities in my head, I'm like, or is it stubbornness? Because for me, <laughs> it is stubbornness. It's that it's, I like to call it tenacity. Um, but it's, it's that kind of willingness to continue taking that action, continue to take that next step. And for me, that language is also hope, right? We, this is a hope podcast. This is all about the science Mm -hmm. of hope and what that, what that word, that language, that feeling means to all of us. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have a definition of hope or what comes to mind when I use that language with you? You know, I just, I, I feel like when it comes to hope, it's just, again, I think it's just something that comes naturally to me. I make the assumption that it comes naturally to other people, but it, it does not. Um, it just, it's that, it's like a feeling that I can't quite articulate. And I have it every single day. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just have it every single day, every time I open my eyes, like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm still here, not to make this morbid, but like, I'm here. Like, what, did, like, it just so like, I don't know, like I'm getting spiritual here, but like, this is so beautiful. Like I am here and I get to do this. Like, I'm on this earth. Let's go. Like, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do to make today great? What are we going to do to make today better than, you know, yesterday? I was actually giving myself a pep talk this morning because I was mad because I had, as I was telling you, a lot of Oreos last night. (laughs) And I was so mad at myself and not because of the calories, because like I felt sluggish, you know, and I felt like off and I was like, how many more days am I going to do this to myself? I was like, okay, what are we going to do today to make it better? So tomorrow you don't feel like this. Like, it's just... I get to be here. And I think for me, that's what hope, that's what really what hope means. Mm. Like it just comes to me naturally. I'm so happy and I feel so lucky. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Be- it's beautiful. Um, yeah. you, and you feel very intentional, like, you know, even just, just that story that you shared about, uh, not feeling like yourself today, but going, come on, Jahan, get it together. Here's the things we get to do next. So that we don't have to feel this way later. Um, so my definition of hope is that the future will be better than today by uh-huh. taking action over the things we can control. Um, yes. You know, and and it is, it's that that intention. It's that future thinking. It's that taking the action to do the things um, and, you know, finding those pathways to overcome the obstacles that are going to get in our way. Because we are going to eat the Oreos. In my case, we are going to eat the pretzels. Um, it's just what we do with it afterwards or how, you know, where we lower the the opportunity or we figure out what the trigger is so that we, you know, change the habit or whatever it, whatever that looks like. It's yeah. taking those actions and, and figuring out what it is we can control. Yeah. And it's so, and you say that and it makes me think, I just, Someone just, uh, a woman I went to college with, she runs her own business and uh, we've lost touch, but like I still, obviously the joy of social media, you still know what everyone's doing. And she wrote something 
um, is a very long post, but there's one line that stuck out. She's like, I, she's like, we need to let go of this idea that you have to be motivated every time you show up, just show up. Like, right. Mm. <laughs> like that, that's usually me on Monday. That's usually me. Like sometimes it's just the act of like this weekend I had to work to prepare to get ready for a vacation. And I didn't want to. And I was like, but just show up. And as soon as I sat down, like within 20 minutes of working, I was going right. And I, I started to feel those feelings again of hope and all the things I just talked about. And like, I started to get that happy feeling, but I, I was not motivated to, to do it, but I showed up because I owe it to myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Like today I'm not in, I really want Oreos later, but I need to just show up and for myself and not eat the Oreos. <laughs> So I don't, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't feel the same way as I did. And like, I don't know, that just really I, resonated with me when she was like, we don't, like sometimes just showing up is the best thing. Mm-hmm. And then I think everything else, what you constant, consistently practice follows and like sort of just will pick you up. Yeah. Well, and you know, anybody who's familiar with um, uh, habits and routine and uh, ritualizing some of these things, right? If you just take that first step, then it starts to build the confidence that you can take the next step. Like, so if you just sit down at your computer, you just show up for yourself, then you know, you, you just did that hard thing. So now you can do the next hard thing because you've got a little bit of confidence to do that. And then it starts to snowball into this awesome, into this awesome thing. Um, I also, sat down at my computer last night and I was on vacation for the last 10 days. And the thought of coming back to work this morning, this is Monday morning that we are recording this. Um, there was totally demoralizing is not the word, but like it was, it, the thought of it was really tough. Um, uh-huh. But I sat down on my computer last night. I got through a whole list of things. Once I got into it, once I showed up for myself, exactly what you said, once you show up, then you can get into that flow. It's just showing up and getting there. Uh, That's the hardest part. And I imagine that that must be some of the things that you counsel your clients on. Because if they're in a place in a corporate career or they are in a place where they want to do something new and they don't know what to do next mm-hmm. is like, how do you encourage them or motivate them to show up for themselves? You know, it's, I love the coaching sessions. They're, you know, they're one-on-one and they're so, it's so much fun because we, how I encourage them is talking through what's getting in their way. Right. And so if they were to get on the call beforehand, they wouldn't know where I was, you know, that's what they were going to talk about. Right. But it's always, He's like, okay, I wanna, I wanna pitch to my boss that I want, you know, this new responsibility. I'm creating this job in this new position, and I obviously want more money, right? And so we talk through it, and a lot of the times it's mindset. It's not so much about the process. So it's just uncovering what's really bothering you and like really digging in, and then them realizing, oh yeah, you're right. Like I can do this. I am making up a story. Like I am like, you know, I am listening to my limiting beliefs. And then, you know, we talk about process and like how to get it, but the majority of the call is, is the mindset. And then we work on the process usually towards the last 10 minutes. And they're like, but then it flows and it's easier for them to do the work. So it's just a beautiful thing to watch them just actually just be like, Oh, like, 
I can do this. You are like, you're so right. Okay, let's let's do the work. And then like the work is easier because they've kind of sat and spent some time and, and thought about what they were feeling, why they were feeling it. And like I always like to say, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Okay, now what's the best thing that's going to happen? Let's go. <laughs> so talk to me about mindset a bit. So uh, speaking of self-awareness, mindset and the importance of mindset is the biggest thing that I have learned over the last five years. Um, on the woo factor, on the woo scale, I am on the science, practicality, rational, give me the data, give me the analytics to explain all the things. Do yeah. not talk to me about cosmic woo-woo. However, mindset absolutely is on that scale and needs to be, should be, and is more important than I've ever given it credit to prior to the last five years. Mm-hmm. How do you coach, I imagine, these senior leaders, executive, high-profile, powerful women who are on the same end of the woo scale as I am on the practical science-based side to actually recognize the value and the importance of this mindset preparation work? So interesting you say that because I think there's a, a disconnect, right? Not, not everyone recognizes the value of mindset. Totally. They, they talk about it and they realize that like, you know, others need to work on it, right? Like it's always like, oh, like others need to work on their mindset. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, oh my God, I almost said Dominique Dawes and that is not her name, but why am I, the gymnast is escaping me. Simone Biles. My God, do not tell Simone who I don't know that I just said that. Um, But she like, everyone's like, oh yeah, she like mental health important. Yeah, she should take care of herself. But no one's thinking about like really, not a lot of people are thinking about themselves. At least people I'm working with, right? Mm -hmm. They're thinking thinking about others and they're taking care of others. And honestly, it's for me as a coach, I gotta, I can't, I'm not gonna tell you. I'm just gonna coach it out of you. And so if that in fact is a roadblock mindset, we are gonna get to the bottom of it in a session, like right away. Like we usually, the first session is a 90 minute, um, like sort of assessment. And like we, I, every time, every single time the call ends, people say to me, I was worried. What in the world are we going to talk about for 90 minutes? Like, what is this going to be? And I feel lighter and I feel better. So it's just for me, my process is to uncover what's the roadblock. And 90% of the time it's mindset. Like it, it, and that's when they're like, okay, yes. Okay. I, I want to work on that. But I guess I, it doesn't, it's not as direct, like, okay, we're going to work on mindset, right? Like, it's just like, I, that's not what I sell, if you will. Yeah. Cause I don't think anyone would buy it. Like truly. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like when I talk about hope as my leading sentence, people are like, yeah. mm, cosmic woo woo. Uh, yeah. we can talk about God and, and faith maybe. Yeah. Or we're going to talk about science, you know, right. wherever you want to be on that scale. But if I lead with that, people go, nope, not for me. So I, yeah, yeah. I totally get it. Doesn't, doesn't work. But when I talk about it through the lens of what they are trying to do, it becomes crystal clear. Like, and I, and I wonder sometimes at the end, I always ask like biggest takeaways. No, no one ever really says the word mindset. And I, I wonder what they say to like their, you know, partners or friends, um, you know, if they, if they do in fact talk about it afterwards, like, what they're working on, but a lot of, you know, it's just more of like, yeah, my biggest takeaway is I'm going to stop making up stories. Right. 
like about what my boss is going to say when I go to him or her, like, like just things like that. So I, I actually have a free, um, what do you call those free freebie download, whatever. And, um, it's on mindset. It is not popular in terms of people downloading it for free. It is very popular though, among my clients. Isn't that interesting? Like, yeah. Like once we do the work, I'm like, try this. I want you to be intentional. And I don't feel like I'm a doctor. I prescribe things to them. Right. And like, I don't prescribe it to everybody, but I do, I do offer it to, you know, a lot of my clients. And then they're like, that was so helpful. But if I tell you on Instagram or my email list or whatever that I have this, it's not as popular. Interesting. Well, we'll definitely yeah. link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and maybe a title change that says, this is not a mindset workbook. <laughs> <laughs> Something that might help. Seriously. <laughs> you know, but but it's, you know, it's it's so interesting. The language we use to to describe to other people or to describe to ourselves what it is that we're working on. It really matters. And I, is it a shame thing? Is it an uncomfortable thing? I mean, I like to say that my superpower is making uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations into ones you actually want to have. Um, And it's because I like to change people's mindset around words and language that we typically um, rebel against. You know, I think hope has a PR problem and I mm-hmm. am setting out to solve hope's PR problem. Very mm-hmm. similarly, uh, I think you think that the word mindset has a PR problem and helping people to recognize the value and impact of that is is huge um, yeah. in all of the work that both you and I do. I think that's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, how do you recognize hope in other people? <sighs> Honestly, from a client side or just a friend side, it's, it, I think it's easier to answer on the client side, right? Because they call me, like you, you have taken the first step or you sign up for a challenge, you know, that I, I did the shoot your shot challenge and had a great turnout. Like it's, it's that, like, it's just taking that step to like, and I don't want to say improve, right? That's not the right word, improve yourself, but it's just growth, right? Those, you know, when you're taking that step to do some of the activities that I have or whatever I'm doing or listening to the podcast and then emailing me about like how that episode helped you, right? And how it helped you grow. That to me is just, is hope. Like that to me is, oh, well, I see the future and I'm just trying to get there maybe a little bit quicker (laughs) at an accelerated pace and at a, you know, and make sure that I'm doing it the best way that I know how. And to me, that's how I see it. Definitely in my, in my clients for sure. So talk to me about, um, so we have listeners and if anybody is listening to you speak and they're going, well, crap. I really want to do something new with my life. I really want to get into sports. I really want to, you know, get into consulting or coaching, whatever it is. And then they think, but I've been climbing this corporate ladder. I'm in a senior executive leadership position. I make X amount of money per year. And if I quit all of this, I have to give up my lifestyle and go live in a, you know, in my car. Um, (laughs) Clearly it's not as dramatic as that, but those are the (laughs) kinds of stories that are going on in our head. I mean, I have that thought every single day. Um, 
what do you say to people that are listening that are going, I don't want to live in my car, John? (laughs) It's really interesting. I, the people who are listening, who are thinking, I really want to start something that's right. It starts out like as a whisper and then it starts to get louder and it, it's not going to go away. Like, trust me, it never went away for me. Right. And finally, you're just, you're just going to figure it out and do it. Cause you're going to be like, I I'm extra old. Like how much more time, like, am I going to waste thinking about it and just like romanticizing this or making it, um, you know, catastrophizing it and saying, I'm going to live in my car, but like, what, like, what, how much longer are you going to do that? And you're just going to get to this point where you're like, I'm done. And like, you're going to like, I'll give an example. I had a client um, and the only reason she's not my client is because at the end of the story is so great is that she, we started during that assessment. She talked about something she wanted to do that had nothing to do with sports and the work that she was doing. And I was like, can we talk more about that? She's like, no, no, no. It's just something like we, you know, my friend and I always talk about, but I don't want to do it. And I was like, okay. And so I asked her like three more times. I sensed it. Like she has been thinking about this for a long time. So we go through the whole process. We have our sessions. Um, you know, she wants to, uh, you know, get a promotion, rework her job and obviously get a raise. And so we like have a bunch of strategy sessions on what the new job's going to look like. And then, you know, what that title should be and what the money should be. And so proud of her. She went in and she did it, um, set boundaries because she has three kids and she was, you know, like the boundaries were definitely being pushed. So did all the work, got exactly what, got what she wanted. Then we have a session. We have like one or two left and we're talking and she's like, I'm not happy. I feel like I did all this work with you, John. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not happy with this new job that I got. And I go, what is it that, and like, let's just be honest. What is it that you want to do? And it went back to that one thing that she talked about. And she's like, I just, I think, I think I have to do it. And I go, and so we talked through it. And so our next three, I'm not, I'm I'm not a business coach, but I became one. And so then the next like three sessions became putting together a plan for going and doing that. Um, And they're killing it. So she has a, a partner as well. And they're killing it. Like she's doing so well. And I mean, she just started in May and they already have a community on Instagram of like 6,000 people not paying for followers or anything, right? Like just natural, like engagement, people sharing and people like really, really love what they do. So it's just, if the whisper is not going to go away. And I, I love to tell everybody that she is not living in her car and her business partner is also not living in her car. They are, everyone's doing very well. She has three children and um, she is providing for her children. And doing fine. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, the whisper is going to get louder and it's going to, it's going to just kind of eat at you until you do it. So if you're in that point, it's, it's time to pull the trigger. And I always recommend that people get support when they're doing that. Yeah. So before you leave, like before you give your notice, like come up with the plan and what that's going to look like. And don't do it in a, a bubble, bring someone in to help you who has been there before. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, two really important points that came to mind as you were talking about that story. So one, the plan, like, you know, don't just get to that point where you throw your hands up and go, I'm done. I'm out of here. You know, forget you people. Um, I heard this podcast that said show, uh, you, you should have one finger on the way out the door 
and it shouldn't be your middle finger, right? It should be your thumb. <laughs> yes. You know, thanks very much. Thumbs up. Glad to be here. Um, don't get to that point where that one finger is that middle finger, and 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 because then you've you potentially jeopardized all of your things, your your three children, your uh, maybe you won't even have a car to live in because you had to sell it for groceries. You should not. So have a plan. Have support of people who have been there. That's exactly the work that I know you do. That is exactly the work that I do. And it's have that plan to, to figure out what that get out is um, because that whisper is going to get louder. And the thing about that whisper is it starts to permeate everything else in your life. So I know for me, I was saying to my husband last night, like I'm, I have been, I've not been myself for the last six months. Like I, I, I know that there's something um, scratchy. I know that there's something causing friction. I know that I need to do something different. I need to take next action, but I've been avoiding it and I've not been doing it. And it's affecting every other aspect of my life. And it's making me do things twice or having to do things, uh, longer because I've waited too long and it's worse. Like, you know, it's that whisper is going to affect like poison, like mold, everything else in your life. Um, so it's, yeah, I yes, think it's well said that was a lot of words, but the point is, you know, it just, it does it, 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 whatever that whisper looks like for you, don't discount it. Don't, don't think that it, it can't be a thing because it can uh-huh. be a thing with support and a plan and all those things. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of words. Usually I like you to do all the talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are just having a conversation. I love it. Um, it is amazing. I have so loved this conversation and I can't believe that we're coming to the end of our time together, but I always ask my guests one last question at the end of every show. And that is, Jahan, what gives you hope? Uh, I think I said it a little bit before. So I'm going to stick with it because I feel this way. Truly, it's just honestly being being here, like opening my eyes every day. Like I get, I was like, Oh, I get to do it again today. You know? And so some days I'm just like, Oh goodness, I'm so tired. Like, how do I do? That's what gives me hope. It's like, well, you're, you're here. There are people who do not, and not to be morbid, but like there are people who did also had hope and didn't get to open their eyes today for whatever reason. So you're here. Like, what are you going to do with your time? Like, it's so easy to waste it away. It's so easy to let fear and anxiety, which I am, I'm the most anxious person ever. I talk about it all the time on podcasts. So it's so easy to let those things dominate, right? And and kind of keep you from doing the things that you want and going after the things that you want. So for me, it's just, I have to remind myself when anxiety or fear um, start to creep in and take over, uh, that's sort of how I, I, I kind of, push through the, the, the clouds and the noise and, and, um, and, and kind of grab onto hope is just, well, you're here. So what are you going to do with your time here? What's that going to look like? What are your friends, you know, what are your friends, family, and what, what would they say about you? And for me, it's, you know, I always battle with the, I'm tired. I'm stressed. I just want to sit on the couch and like the couch is my best friend, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do anything. And so that's not the story that I, I I want people to tell. That's not the legacy I want to leave behind. It's helping others. So that gives me hope. Mm, love it. Amazing. You are a very hopeful person. This conversation has made me feel 
excellent about the rest of my day. Thank you so, so much for being here with me today. Um, and I know that the listeners would take a lot away from your lived experience and just how you're, uh, how you're living your life and how you're showing up for yourself and for other people. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for this podcast. This was so much fun. Take care. I'll talk to you very soon. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. These episodes are a labor of love. Inspiring conversations with hopeful people make my heart happy. If you also love this episode, it would be amazing if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Five stars if you're into it. It's these reviews that encourage Apple to promote this podcast to their network. And the more people that listen, the more hope we can spread into the world. Don't forget to check out the show notes of this episode to find all the links to my guests, books, and other resources referenced in this episode. You'll also find the link back to my website where you will find additional support and resources for you, your team, and your community. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control. And hearing from these guests on these episodes, I know that even more hopeful future is totally possible. I'm always looking for inspirational guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. You can find me on the contact form of my website at expertinhope.com or by email at lindsay at expertinhope.com. When I was a teenager and my sisters were leaving the house to go out for the night, I always made it a point to remind them to call me if they need me. It was my way to tell them that I cared and would always be there for them. I'd love you to know the same, so all of you listening out there, call me if you need me. Again, thank you for your love and support of this podcast, my work in hope, and your intentional focus on making your future better than today. After all, hope without action is just a wish.